This is Mike Wilbon from ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, and I'm speaking with Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. Time for another special edition, Chad, of the Friendly Confines. And this week, we go in deeper with Wayne Mesmer, singer extraordinaire, of course, has sung the Star Spangled Banner thousands of times, not just at Wrigley Field, but at all Chicago events. And you really got deep into all things that he has been able to do in his career. Quite an interview you've been able to conduct with him. It was a lot of fun. I mean, he goes into kind of his preparation, his thought, what he's thinking, um, how, you know, how, how he does what he does every time he steps on, onto the grass. And, and, you know, most of our listeners, I'm going to assume, are not aspiring singers, but I found it incredibly um, I- I- interesting. And then he also, uh, you know, he talks about, you, you said thousands of times, he's, he said he's logged more than 5,000 uh, sporting events where he's he's uh, opened up with the, the national anthem, even talking about uh, the Canadian national anthem. So he digs also into that fateful night uh, in uh, um, in in uh, in Chicago where he was shot coming out of a restaurant in his car, and he thought he'd never be able to sing and maybe never even talk again, and had and had created kind of a bucket list of this is what survival and this is what um, you know what my future will be when I know I've fully recovered. I mean, very awe inspiring discussion. So without any further ado, here is our interview, full-length feature interview with Wayne Mesmer on a special edition of The Friendly Confines. Hi, this is Marv Levy, and you're listening to Ryan and Chad on Friendly Confines. What does it mean to you every time you, you take the field at Wrigley to do the, the anthem or during the seventh inning stretch for, for, uh, for you know, the other, other songs? You know, what does that mean to you? Do, you? do you get goosebumps? Do you get nervous? How does that feel? Yeah, I always get nervous, uh, and I allow myself to get nervous. And people say, you know, do you, uh, you know, are you afraid? Are you concerned? Oh, I'm never afraid because I know that I can do it. I uh, obviously proved it by doing it about 5,000 times already. Um, I, I take a theatrical approach, mm. you know, and I have a, a, a an acting background. So, uh, you know, you're only as good as your last performance and, you know, you walk out on stage and somebody's going to say, Oh, great. You know, oh, this guy's good. Where do you hear this guy? You know, oh, I'm glad he's singing today or they're singing today, whatever it might be. And, uh, you don't want to let them down. I mean, you want to impress somebody. Um, a professional doesn't need to show off. They just need to do it right. And I've always believed that, you know, a, pro- a professional practices, um, differently than an amateur An amateur does it until they get it right. And a professional does it until they can't get it wrong. Mm. And, um, I, I also, you know, I, I know it's hallowed ground to me. It's always, Game three of the 32 World Series, and I'm waiting for the Bambino to come out and point. You know, so things have happened. 50 years of NFL football on that field. I mean, it, it truly is uh, a very special place and a very special moment. And then also, it, it's that one moment when everyone just shuts down and focuses on on you standing there you know and uh so you know you just you just can't uh uh you, 
you can't underestimate the importance of it. And I think that I've always believed that you're supposed to uh, lead the crowd, not show off. Yeah, that's what I appreciate about you. Obviously, I can't hold on to the note at the end, but I feel like I'm singing along with you, and I love it. It's I love it. I Good. take it with great reverence. What What do you prefer? You like the anthem or God Bless America? What do you like better? I well, I really do love God Bless America, but I also like America the Beautiful, which is a great song, mm. um, a, a lovely melody, and a, and and great lyrics. the The national anthem is. Uh, by most accounts, a difficult song to sing. And because it has an octave and a fifth range, which is far beyond what the normal voice will do. And, uh, you know, you, you watch a civilian doing the anthem and they'll, they'll bail on the bottom end or the top, one or the other, and sometimes yep. both. Same. You know, so, but it falls within my baritone range and I do it in the key of B flat if, uh, if you want to win a trivia uh, contest. <laughs> so, <laughs> learning new things. I love that. We're we're going to we're going to dig into the history of your time with the Cubs. We're going to talk about some of your fondest memories, but I want to I really want to dig into this the, the anthem stuff. Uh and and everybody when they think about you and and I put this on our our Cubs Facebook page, a couple people said ask him about 1991. So, you know, that that's an iconic moment. I mean, you're a YouTube legend with that for those that don't know. You did the anthem. It was during kind of the height of the the Gulf War. Um the NHL was having their All-Star game at, at Chicago stadium and it just it was this video that resonated and no matter if the you know if it was a hockey market or not that anthem was played pretty much on every local newscast in america what was that mm -hmm. like with the crowd i mean did that just make your chest almost blow up just from from that moment yeah because i knew exactly what that moment meant you know uh they had uh they had not televised uh from the stadium uh, previously during regular games and uh, so no one knew what happened there. They, they didn't know the energy that lived inside of that building. And uh, we found out about a week earlier that uh, they were definitely going to televise. And it would be the Canadian and the U.S. anthems. And actually, it was a day and a half after the Gulf War had begun. Mm. So there was a lot of uncertainty and really a lot of fear going on. It's like, what have we gotten ourselves into? And... Uh, I'll, I mean, I'll never forget it because I was standing at that time. I would I would sing up in the organ loft of the old Barton Theater organ. And amazingly, we just passed on the, the 19th of this month, the 30th anniversary of that. Wow. And uh, it uh, it still gives me chills. I just wrote a piece about it. Uh, matter of fact, uh, yesterday. So it's it's uh, interesting that you bring that up. But. Um, I thought, and I also write about it in, uh, I, I wrote a book called The Voice of Victory, and uh, I, I very, uh, I don't know, very detailed write about what was going on through my mind at that moment. I'm thinking about the Canadian National Anthem, which goes first, and uh, there were Canadian troops involved in that as well, and and I'm thinking, you know, some lumberjack camp somewhere <laughs> up in Saskatoon or, you know, some mom in Moose Jaw who's got a kid in harm's way. They deserve to have that uh, song sung with dignity and pride as well as the, uh, the Star Spangled Banner. And then uh, when, when, I, when I finished, um, I was literally soaking wet. 
uh, because it was just so tense. Uh, it was so critical. I knew that what I was uh, God gifted to do and what I was requested to do by my fellow man had just met at the same intersection. And that's rare. That's rare. And uh, uh, Kathleen, who's a, a wonderful singer and just, just the dearest person in the world, she looks at me and she says, I know, I know. And uh, we just kind of hugged and uh, took it from there. What was interesting, you mentioned uh, being on a newscast. I came home that night, and like every good fellow, I'm standing in the kitchen with uh, the remote in my hand, you know, and uh, clicking the channels. It opened and closed every local and network newscast that day, wow. that night. And then you think, you know, man, oh, man, it's uh, it's understanding what gift or gifts, plural, you've been given uh, to be able to use them and respect them and share them. And I think that's one of the reasons we're, we're put on earth. So that was a very special day. I love that. And and uh, if you're a listener and you haven't had a chance to see it, uh, just, just Google, just go to YouTube and, and type in 1991 NHL All-Star Game Anthem. It'll pop up and it's been seen millions of times. So Wayne, I talked before about uh, you being a part of my childhood. I'm not alone in that. I mean, the reason the Cubs have such a great uh, fan base is the WGN days, and you, your time there um, early on with the Cubs as a field announcer, PA announcer, and all the different hats you wore at the time um, gave you a lot of visibility to people like me growing up. What were some of your fondest memories of those times? Well, there's a bunch of them. I mean, the very first time I went out there, I had spent uh, three years in the same capacity as a PA announcer and a vocalist for the Chicago White Sox mm -hmm. at uh, Comiskey Park. And I'd grown up on the South Side, and those were great times, 82, 83, which was an amazing year. Uh, won the division by 20 games and hosted the baseball all-star game. And that's uh, so I got to announce that. But then in uh, 84... I went out and did a guest appearance uh, at Wrigley Field, and it was a Montreal Expos game. So I sang the uh, Canadian anthem wearing an Expos jacket, took it off, and had a Cubs jersey on underneath. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting because the, uh, the the marketing guys of the White Sox uh, just happened to be watching the ball game, and they they uh, they noticed, you know. Uh, <laughs> And uh, but I also noticed because I had received at that time, you're getting on your answering machine calls from people, cousins and stuff that I, I didn't even know I had. And I go, wait a minute. Everyone saw that. Yeah. Um, I had sung 137 times at that point with the White Sox. Nobody saw it unless you were at the ball game. Right. And uh, I don't mean because they were, they just didn't televise the right, right, right. So uh, w when the opportunity arose, um, I, uh, I jumped at it. The one of the great memories would be September 27th of uh, 2001, when we were the last ball club to come back after 9 11. And we had uh, canceled a 10 game homestand and then finally came back. That night, there were uh, police, fire, military, it was lined up all the way from home plate out to the foul poles. And uh, I went out and stood on the pitcher's mound and that night sang uh, America the Beautiful and the National Anthem. Unbelievable emotion, unbelievable. To top it off, that was the evening of a day 
where earlier that uh, that day, uh, Kathleen and I were picked up by a couple guys with no sense of humor in a black sedan, Secret Service guys, <laughs> taken out to O'Hare, the military installation, when uh, at that time, President uh, George W. Bush came rolling in on Air Force One and came to the grandstands that were set up to announce it is time for us to get back in the air again. So I stood next to him at about 9.30 a.m. and sang the national anthem for that. We went home and I goes, wow, that was great. That was great. And then, then the day went through and we're still kind of giddy over that. And that's okay, let's get dressed for the ball game. So that night, when, when we're finally you know, just uh, hanging up our spikes for the day, uh, we looked at each other and said, this was not your typical day. You know, it was uh, it was very special. There were great, great moments that really uh, um, coming back for me in uh, uh, 94 um, and uh, coming back to, to come out on Memorial Day and throw out a first pitch. Uh, the, that was quite a moment as well. I, I had to, we all know my situation there in April of 94 yes. and the misfortune of being in the yes. wrong place at the wrong time and uh, getting shot point blank, nine millimeter with a, uh, in the neck. And, uh, those were dark, dark moments, but, uh, to be able to come back from that and to be able to come back for opening day of, uh, a 95 season. And to sing again, it, you, I mean, you sometimes feel that uh, that hallowed ground that you walk on at Wrigley Field, you're you're floating above it. Uh, it's uh, I don't know, maybe maybe I make too much out of it, but too bad. It's how important it is to me. You know, I, I I think we respect things if you understand just how fortunate we are to be given the opportunities that we have. Uh, life becomes pretty sweet, you know, and I, there's a great, great phrase that says, sometimes you will never know the true value of a moment until it becomes a memory. And you think, wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, in other words, you missed it. Yeah. You know what I mean, you didn't, you didn't soak it in at the time. And once that's, that's the should have, could have, might have. And uh, I, I don't miss much. You know, yeah. uh, you stand there and look around. Uh, I mean, obviously, the uh, some of the playoffs uh, as we got into having better ball clubs, uh, mercifully, in the in the mid 2010s, those were great. You know, um, the All Star Game of 1990 to walk out and sing the Canadian anthem for that was, you know, it's countless memories. If I stop and start writing them down, it's like you know, I, I run out of ink. We're coming up on 27 years um, in this April um, when you were shot and there was a time where you weren't mm -hmm. sure that you could were going to be able to speak again. There was a time you weren't that, you know, it, it was it was a near life death experience that you weren't sure, you know, it was going to be worse than that. You were ever going to sing again. I mean, you know, when you were coming out of your recovery and you talked right right then about, you know, being able to come out and, and, and sing um, after that experience. But you have such a unique perspective. We all don't have those moments where. Uh, I imagine your life flashed before your eyes, but what, what did that moment and the aftermath of that moment, what did that teach you? Well, it, uh, I believe it taught me um, to live life with you, with my eyes open. 
and uh, much like we've just you know talked about uh you know there were there were times during that recovery the i mean the moment it happened you're in such disbelief i am because it doesn't happen to me it doesn't happen to you uh things like that they, i mean you hear about them on the news but they happen to strangers and they're horrible but you don't have the same feeling as when it's affecting you or your family um as i was shot and uh, drove a block and a half back to where i had been parked and got out of the car and uh, knocked on the door of where i just come out of or the restaurant the uh, place called hawkeyes I sat down and I thought what I do and had done for a living uh, for years may have just come to an abrupt end because it was, you know, and it's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. But I chose life at that moment. And I knew that what I do may have been cruelly stolen, but who I was was not going to change. And uh, I'm a firm believer in in building your life upon uh, faith, family, and friends in, in that order. And that's, that's where I went. Um, and off, off we went to a county hospital, and they did some magnificent uh, work, 10-hour overnight surgery. And, uh, you know, I was the, uh, the surgery, I was gashed uh, ear to ear, basically, in my neck. And... Uh, woke up two and a half days later with a lot of questions like what am i left with here and hoping that it was a nightmare which it was but it, you know that it wasn't real that i realized oh boy this is real and then then you start to climb you know you're you're pushing the peanut up the hill with your nose and trying to make it happen and uh, but i was i was just singularly focused on uh on living through it. And uh, again, my dear wife looked at me and she said, we should try to accept nothing less than complete recovery. Right. I thought, well, okay, I'm glad you're optimistic. It's, it's rough. You know, I was on a, on a respirator. Uh, I, you know, I was intubated. I had a tracheotomy. I've got IVs. It, it, it was, it was enough to make you crazy because you're, you're almost ready to implode because I was pretty darn angry. You see, yeah. uh, I never had it. There, there was no chance for me to defend myself. I could not have prevented what happened. And, uh, um, so I wanted, you know, I wanted justice. I wanted revenge. I was ticked off and I had to calm that down. I had to somehow figure what is it that I'm going to reach for to hold on to, to bring me out of that abyss. And I came up with a few things. One, I said, nobody is going to steal the opportunity for me to sing with my wife. Okay. That's one check mark. Yeah. Two, uh, I had uh, just, I, you know, I'm one of the founding partners of the Chicago Wolves hockey team of the American Hockey League. We had, uh, we were still in the drafting plan. We had not played a game yet. And I wanted that to be a success because I'm the guy who drafted the business plan, the marketing plan, the game presentation plan, worked with the development of the logo. I mean, you know, my fingerprints were on everything. I wanted that to be a success. Check mark number two. Um, the third thing was if the voice comes back to a level where I can do something, 
I'm going to record at some point in my life an album of songs or a CD of songs that truly mean something to me, uh, sentimentally or emotionally, whatever it might be. Well, okay, check mark number three. And then the other thing, which is a indication that I was pretty well uh, medically induced with some kind of uh, morphine, apparently, at the time, because I'm thinking my fourth check mark was if the Cubs make it ever, ever to the World Series, and if the voice comes back, I would <laughs> love to sing a game of the World Series. Now, unrealistic. That's 1994. We still were Unheard of. that great at the time. <laughs> so, October the 30th, 2016. I mean, this is almost, almost unbelievable even to me. Uh, on that day, Kathy and I sang uh, at uh, a luncheon together, and it was the good stuff. You know, the, the, we had met doing a Broadway show and uh, musical, Kiss Me Kate. And it was like, you know, good stuff, back, you know, uh, really delightful stuff. And it was wonderful. We then got in the car. So that was check mark number one. Now, see, I told myself this while I was in the hospital um, at my darkest moment. I said, these are the things that are going to keep me from losing my mind. You know, and uh, so years later, uh, 22 years later, we do the the luncheon, get in the car, drive out to the Allstate Arena where there are 16,000 people at a highly successful Chicago Wolves hockey game. And I walk out on the then red carpet and sang, Wolves are a success. Okay. Check mark number two, same day. Get back in the car and drive to our next event. And I hit the play on a CD and uh, from a, a CD called So Lucky to Be Loving You that I ultimately did with a wonderful pianist, uh, Judy Roberts, who's magnificent. And uh, a gorgeous song called You Are Too Beautiful. It's a wonderful romantic song. And I leaned over to Kathleen. I said, you know, when I sang this in the studio, I was singing it just directly to you. Which is a good line. A good line, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <yes>. But yeah, <laughs> check, so check mark number three. And where were we going? We parked the car and walked then into the ballpark for an 8 p.m. game five of the 2016 World Series, where I was handed the microphone to walk out and sing unaccompanied "God Bless America" and the national anthem. Same day. Same day. Yeah. Now I had I had we had sung many times since then together. Uh, I had recorded the album, you know, a few years before. The Wolves had been highly successful all of those years, but then to put a ribbon around it, to sing at a, at the World Series. I did two games, but but Game Five is just amazing. As I walked off, all of a sudden it hit me that those things in my darkest hour in 1994 all happened again on that same day of October 30th of 2016. And I thought, this is, um, I don't know, it's, it, it's, it's watching, like practicing what you preach. I always talk about planting good seeds, you know, and you're not sure when they're going to blossom or if they will, but you nurture them and hope that they do. Um, after I had finished singing the anthem and went and sat down, 
in many ways, uh, I, I could have just, you know, drifted off and been okay. You know, that yeah. was that was a, a, a putting a putting a big bow on a package that was given to me to say, okay, there's still work to be done and songs to be sung. So that was a, that was a pretty emotional moment. I love that story, Wayne. I could, yeah. I, I, I seriously, I, I wish we could talk for an hour. It, it, I, I mean, you are a Chicago original. I, mean, I, I, I didn't, I couldn't come close to listing off the bio. I mean, you, you mentioned the wolves. I mean, you, to be a part of a, a franchise, to, to have the role you had to, to put a, a major league franchise like the Blackhawks on record that they have to treat their fans and market better. I mean, the Wolves did that in such an amazing way. I had friends that when they knew I was going to have you on, they talked about listening to you on the Barksy morning show. You know, uh, you know what I oh, share yeah. with you is, you know, just your, you know, you were a part of my childhood and, and I just so appreciate it. And, and uh, knowing you're the, you know, you were the guy that sang the songs before the Cubs turned everything around on that Sunday night, that beautiful Sunday night um, on uh, before they had to go back to Cleveland and win two more. So yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate your story. Is there anything, is there one last thing, one last message you'd like our Cubs fans and our listeners to kind of take away from our conversation today? Well, I, I, I want people to realize that I do know how to sing more than one song. <laughs> uh <laughs> And uh, if ever in the course of uh, when something normal comes back, uh, you know, I, I appear with uh, with a big band. Uh, I, I have a 16-piece big band that I sing with. Uh, uh, I, I work jazz clubs and, uh, and and do a lot of speaking and also work with a lot of people one-on-one -on -one in terms of uh, personal mentoring about uh, uh, really helping them being a professional problem solver. So, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't hide out. I, yeah. uh, I welcome any, uh, any communication with, uh, with people. Such a fun interview with Wayne. I, I, I just, I loved his energy. I loved uh, his enthusiasm. I could have talked to him for, for so much longer. I've got some great insights. And I mentioned earlier in the interview with him, I mean, he was as much of my childhood as Harry Carey was part of my childhood. I know it was the same for you, but but when it was on WGN, he was the guy on the field. You know, whether he was singing the anthem or he was the field announcer, the PA announcer, Wayne had a profile on WGN in my youth, and so getting to talk to him now and realizing he's he's a pretty good guy was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, when you would go to a Cubs game, you always knew, please stand for the national anthem. Today's guest singer is Wayne Mesmer. Like it just. It, you knew it was going to be him. And if it wasn't him, you were almost wondering why it wasn't him. So uh, it's really cool that you got the opportunity to talk to him, Chad, and uh, quite interesting stuff. And of course, next week, we will be talking with Michael Wilbon in our full length interview. So certainly stick around for that as well. So for Chad, I am Ryan. Thanks as always for listening, everybody. And this has been a special edition of the Friendly Confines. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed The first time you walk into Wrigley 
Hey guys, it's Sylvie from Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. You're listening to my guys, Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines. Hey everyone, I'm Chad Gordon. And I'm Ryan Lieber. We're the hosts of the Friendly Confines podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest Cubs news from the fans' perspective with some of the biggest names in sports. Joe Buck, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Yeah, oh my God, I'm happy to do it. Pat Hughes, welcome to the seventh inning. Happy to be here, Chad. It is Len Casper. You got it, Ryan. Chad, happy to be with you guys. The Hawk, Andre Dawson. What is my distinct I'm doing fine, thank you. We're also excited to bring you new episodes as part of the Barroom Network. So if you're a Cubs fan or even just a baseball fan, be sure to check out the Friendly Confines podcast every week on the Barroom Network. Everybody, this is Ryan Dempster, and you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. <laughs> 